Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether, and if so, how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Lee Battle and I'm a minister in the United Reformed Church, where I am currently serving in an ecumenical setting in Cardiff. Each week I am joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. And today I'm so pleased to introduce to you Gary Hopkins. Gary is passionate about how the church helps people to encounter God in daily life and how spirituality breathes life into our justice seeking and radical inclusion as part of God's mission. Gary is part of the core leadership at Inclusive Gathering Birmingham and is the Ministry Development Officer for Chaplaincy at the Methodist Church. And so, Gary, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Pleasure. Um, so politics in the pulpit, Gary, I wonder what that means for you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and whether or not you see yourself as a pulpit politician? Thank you. Uh, great question to start with. Um, I suppose I might be a little bit controversial here. You know, I'm kind of on a journey where I'm seeing the pulpit as less important, which is interesting to be saying when I'm coming to talk about pulpit and the politics. But actually, it's part of the journey of who I am and where I find myself in community at the moment. Okay. So I've been preaching for... 20 years so I've been given permission as it were to to preach and to to bring what I believe to be God's word but I'm really conscious that in in the community so the community I'm from is a newish community it's been around about five years um and we kind of shied away from the traditional form of, of preaching or service and have developed this model of um conversation conversation around what we're hearing God say uh, what the Bible might be saying in our context what each other might be saying and I'm finding that incredibly uh, liberating but also challenging to traditional notions of church because yeah. what I'm recognizing is that often in the pulpit uh, we bring our own perspective which you know is, is is right but then do we fall into the trap of certain people occupying the pulpit and then certain power from the pulpit and certain identities and actually in the in the way we're developing it in conversation we're starting to hear voices from around the kind of community that you wouldn't necessarily have put into the pulpit or they wouldn't necessarily have got to the point through the training or or even wanted yeah. to but I'm starting to really understand that notion of the word in our midst rather than okay. the word from the front so and that's not you know I have to be really careful because I'm not standing here as a, as a local preacher in the Methodist church saying get rid of the pulpits but I'm actually no, no, no. I'm actually discovering this new way of being and actually finding myself rather than being at the front preacher almost the pulpit is the community in the circle and those of us perhaps that have done some kind of theological training are becoming more facilitators to enable that conversation and I often um, even yesterday, someone spoke and it wasn't what they said was very good, but actually where I felt God speaking was in the conversation. That was the word being born in the midst of us. So 
So part of that, and I guess the reason that that for me is important politically is because it's about the voices of people mm. in different spaces, different communities, hearing those and being challenged all the time about actually are the way we're doing things excluding certain people? Are we missing their real needs? Are we making assumptions about what they need and, and yeah. imposing our way of thinking? And actually when you start to invite what I believe is God's kind of sense of everybody has a place within the community, that yeah. really changes what the pulpit means. Um, mm. So that, so so yeah, I'm sort of on a kind of radical point that actually I don't want to be up the front sharing. I want to be in conversation, yeah, yeah. discovering yeah. God. So that's really interesting. Um, and how do people in the community kind of respond to that? Because I know personally, when I've tried to kind of facilitate discussion, and um, often the room goes very silent um, because there is that sense of. Uh, people not feeling confident enough or feeling that they perhaps need a theological degree to get up and preach and and I'm really interested because like you say we lose that dynamic of hearing other people's uh, experiences and and other people's um, spiritualities along the way Mm. but equally for in my experience lots of people just struggle with that sense of speaking in in that space because um and and I guess quite often it is an age and experience thing that the older model of church of kind of the preaching and coming from one person and and no discussion about it um is very difficult for people to to get the head around that they have as much experience and as much knowledge as we do about God. Absolutely. It's, 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 I guess we've been, I would say we've been blessed in the way our community has grown because in some senses being a new community. So it it was set up as a, uh, in in conversation with different people. And there was a a recognition by the, the person that had the kind of, I guess, the inspiration um, particularly to be radically inclusive around LGBTQ. So there were there was a, a lot of kind of bringing those people together. But there were when you start new, all those expectations aren't there. And actually, yeah. we start, and, and we've got a community that's very mixed. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've we've got people who are from Roman Catholic background, Methodism, URC, Pentecostal. We've got Greek Greek Orthodox. You know, so it's quite a mix, which mm-hmm. immediately creates a a multitude of expectations of what the space is, but actually also a liberation. But there are some simple things we do. We don't, what often happens is people will be chatting away before a service. And then when you start the formal service, it's almost like the conversation becomes very, oh, this is a formal space now and I can't speak in it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you know, I, I even said that I can have a laugh and a joke, but put me in a formal situation and I kind of sometimes want to go, oh, because yeah. I want to know what's the expectations in this space? What what are the rules of this kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah, yeah. all of that? But actually, what I mean, we do simple things where we do very small group stuff. So when we often have conversations, we'll we'll start with pairs and give people. It's always invitational, so people never have to have a conversation. But there's simple things like we have we have a kind of a free flowing. If you want refreshments during whenever we're gathered, you can just yeah. get up and do it. If you want to go and sit at the back, none of there's no expectation of how you behave in the space. We okay. don't start we don't start at the formal time, so we we kind of allow people to carry on chatting and just 
kind of gently merge into kind of conversation. We ask questions often that are really simple that anyone, you know, that you don't yeah. need to think theologically. Well, yeah, it's interesting. You often don't need to think theologically, but it does go down the spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you know, simple things like where's your favourite place to be? You know, where, where, where are you most comfortable? And you'll be amazed at how that sparks off. So it's lots of things around how do you remove some of the barriers to people feeling, oh, this is a formal space. I need to yeah. speak in a certain way. Um, it's risky because anyone can say anything in that yep. space. And those, you know, those that are very wanting to control the narrative will, will go, oh, what if someone says something that we don't? Well, we just we, we throw it all in the mix. And, and it's yeah. never been a problem. Let's put it that way. When you step into that space and you conscious of God's presence as you have conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's cultural. It's recognizing the culture of how you do things and finding the simple things that will change and reshape yeah. the culture. And simple things like how you position people in a space makes all the difference. We we've we've just moved into a new space which has sofas. So that immediately yeah, yeah. comfortable ease, you know, and it, yeah, it, yeah. it does simple things like that make a difference. Put a cup of tea in someone's hand at the same time and a biscuit. You break the formality yeah, of yeah. Oh, this is worship, therefore I'm passive. Yeah. You know, it's a space yeah, to be community. Um, so, yeah, that's that's some of the stuff that we kind of play around with and explore. That's really interesting. So from your context, what would you want us to hear, Gary, as the key justice issues or political events that are arising from your community? I think I'd... I'd We've, we've been on an interesting journey. One of the things that we are passionate about is where people have been excluded, we pri provide a place of inclusion. We have a lot of people in our community that have come out uh, as trans, as, as non-binary, as, as lesbian or gay, who have suddenly been stopped from yeah. being able to take part, being in the pulpit for a start, you know, from different traditions where they've just gone, actually... We've recognised your gifts for the past 10 years, but now you are yeah. who you were called to be. That's what we would say. We don't want your contribution anymore. Yeah. And so we provide a place of sanctuary. And so for some people, it is just to kind of come into terms with that uh, and they move on. For mm. other people, it's it's a, we, we provide that ongoing place to be. What's really interesting in our journey is we've been, we've been around five years talking about this narrative of inclusive faith, which for some people, they've never heard it they've always thought well Christianity is about exclusion or certain people aren't welcome yeah. and here we are queer people saying God loves us and we have gifts that we are using um, this year as has been over the summer has been quite transformational we've had two homes we've never quite found a route in in kind of we've, we've been a gathered community that I reckon mm. have been kind of not right in the right place but over the summer our, our community leader met with um some of the community leaders and businesses and particularly people who were involved in the gay village within Birmingham and that area. And the conversation developed and, and it, it became, it be, the, the, they started to say, actually, you know what, we need spirituality as part of the gay village. We haven't got that aspect. Yeah. And, and so they started to say, oh, we're really good if you could do more work with us. And then within, <laughs> within a couple of weeks, one of the, the gay bars, which has rooms above it that they use for, conference stuff and things yeah. like that have said you can use our space you can come and use our space for free and you can set that up as your home in the heart of the gay village it really turns everything on its head because we are no longer the host we're no yeah. longer the people with the power we are guests in a space 
being welcomed in recognition that we're bringing Jesus to the point where one of the people who oversees the area and does the Christmas has said, I've said to us, we'd love you to bring Jesus to Christmas in the heart of the gay village. This is a completely alien experience in being yeah, yeah. And for lots of people, it's like, well, we're constantly trying to push the doors open and we're going, our doors are opening. We can have nothing else but a sense that God is saying to us because the people there, and in Methodism, we talk about provenient grace where, you know, the Holy Spirit is moving in people and going, we want you in this space. Yeah. But it also, there is something about that being guest, which is very much like the Jesus model who never hosted no. was the guest in other people's spaces and, yeah. and being invited to kind of be part of what's already going on. For that, for me, there's something about the justice of and, and that journey of letting go of power and letting go of having to own everything. Yeah. And just being alongside with the message of good news, which is yeah. being recognised in that community, you know. So so for me, that's that's a really exciting thing of who, who we've journeyed to be, kind of not really having a sense to suddenly finding this space that has now become our home. And, we, you know, we're already talking about what Christmas is going to look like. And we're not having to fight to get into the space. They go, no, we want you to do Christmas stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how can the drag queens get involved? You know, it's, it is a... Yeah. remarkable but really joyous time where yeah it's that justice message of inclusion is is just falling into place so yeah and it and it's also you know it's very profound that you've been invited into a space where often christianity equals or religion equals pain mm. or rejection or uh kind of yeah trauma religious trauma is so you know, prevalent in the LGBTQI plus community. Um, that's really remarkable. Now we're going to look at also uh, the the news that's going on around the world. And so we've had yet another turbulent week here in the UK, where we have now got a new chancellor. Jeremy Hunt is now our chancellor. And he's aiming to bring forward announcements about changes to the mini budget in order to reduce economic uncertainty. So there's a sense of U-turning again. And of course, we are still in the backdrop of the cost of living crisis, with the weather really starting to get colder. And as we start the Challenge Poverty Week, we also have of course, the ongoing conflict in Ukraine and now how drones are causing multiple explosions in Kiev. Talks are still going on about Scottish independence referendum as a Supreme Court hearing goes on. Um, we are seeing the really heartbreaking pictures and um, life seen out of Somalia as they battle a really serious famine. And in our church dates as well, we are still in Black History Month. This week is the week of prayer for world peace. It is Challenge Poverty Week in England and Wales, and it is Anti-Slavery Day on the 18th. And so with all this in mind and your context, the world context, my context, is there anywhere you think is natural to start, Gary, on um, the lecture readings for this week? Good question. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much for me. I mean, part part of it, I think Joel 
yeah. talks, a, a, an interesting one around um, Joel for me is, is an interesting one because there's a lot of hope in the reading around what the future holds or, or when the, the day of uh, God's, you know, the Lord's day and God's day comes. Um, and so, but I, I'm conscious of that whole twee narrative of, oh, it'll be okay in the future, you know, that, that yeah. it'll be sorted out in the future. And I think there's, you know, there is there is an important hope to hold on in Christianity about the, the kingdom of God being near and, that mm. you know, that God will transform things. But I think there's also a challenge there that we have to do something about the reality of the situation we're in and we're called to do. So for me, there's always that balance. So I think Joel provides that hope. What I particularly like about Joel is, and I, I suppose the, the echo is that the talking of the spirit of God coming on all people yeah. um, uh, with no divisions, no mm. kind of, um, you know, the elect or the certain few, it's poured out and all, you know, which, which Peter draws on at Pentecost and recognises, you know, that, that that's yeah. the reality of it. And I guess when I talk about being in community, I'm talking about, you know, recognising God's spirit in everybody and the voice of God being in everybody and that's why I think you know it's so important with, with Black Lives Matter particularly that that we recognize the where power lies and who's yeah. who's involved in the power structures and who's part of the systems and and do leaders does leadership represent the reality of the community around you does even the church represent the community around because yeah. then you miss a big part of God's voice within those situations so for me the, the the black lives matter and 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 all of that work that's been going on around being intentional about whose whose voices we're hearing and, yeah. and recognizing privilege in those spaces so i think there's a there's a real inclusive nature to that pouring out of god's spirit and then the the pentecost that picks up that i think is key yeah i i i kind of you know i think conversely i struggle a little bit with the Joel reading but kind of as an isolated part because it's unlikely that Joel was including Gentiles in this it's very likely that Joel was poor you know this notion of pouring out the spirit would have been uh solely on the people who believed in Yahweh um and so but also it all it kind of heralds the start of that journey that we see come into fruition in Acts and how so much of what we do as as individuals especially you and I both in the LGBTQI community is that sense of these things being a journey that we often do start in the places where it seems like it's the select few that receive but then how that very often is the start of the journey for people to go, actually, no, we're still people. And you do see some of that in here because, you know, there is, I will pour out the spirit on all flesh on your sons and daughters. So we see, we do see a movement here, you know, a kind of mm-hmm. a, a movement from the patriarchal model into this this spirit being on your sons and your daughters so it's almost like the start of an inclusive journey and and I was reflecting on 
on how much kind of inclusion, the issues around in um, Black Lives Matter um, and, and our, how we understand racial justice now to maybe how we understood it 10 years ago is so dramatically different. But the seeds and the transformation often is not an overnight thing, that this takes a long, long time. Um, and a lot of people's hopes and dreams and disappointments and trauma and voices and silence all go into that journey. Absolutely. And I think that's really interesting because one of the things we've moved away from saying uh, inclusive, we, we call ourselves inclusive gathering Birmingham, but we often try and push back and saying we are an inclusive gathering because we're always trying to be more inclusive. I love the line of, uh, from one of the hymns, draw draw the circle wider, you know, because yeah. you're always trying to make it more inclusive. And sometimes you just miss the point or your, your context misses something that someone else has to voice to go, oh, wait a second, we've we've kind of been narrower than we thought we were. And, and I yeah, think it's really yeah. interesting to talk about that journey that, you know, Joel, what Joel Mail intended and then what Peter intended and then what Paul, in, you know, what Paul may have intended in his yeah. is constantly going, actually... God's bigger than I've made God out to be. Yeah, yeah. He's bigger than I've made the inclusion out to be. And I think that, you know, I think there's there's something really interesting about that. And and your your use of the word journey, which is what is drawn out in the Timothy reading, is running the race and all of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, stuff, you know, to the to the finish line. And I guess um I, I was quite interested in um Paul's kind of context in the Timothy and whether, you know, whether it's Paul's hand or, or someone of late, you know, in second Timothy. Um, but I think that recognition of the phrase crown of righteousness being around martyrdom, mm. but it almost seems that Paul is being persecuted for standing for what is right, you know, yeah. and, and sometimes running that race and moving in the direction that, you know, is the right direction often others cannot understand or it threatens others and and the, yeah. you know, the parent and he you know he was in a place where you know he he articulates there was nobody there to, to, yeah, yeah. to represent me or talk or, or advocate for me but I you know I'm holding on to what I believe to be true and I think that's the same for particularly those people that are ahead of what's going on running ahead of the the yeah. journey that everybody else is that they're often in a place where people are wanting to push away because it's threatening yeah actually they're doing something really important um and i think there's that word of encouragement isn't it that that it's holding on to what you know to be right before yeah. god in that that journey mm. uh, however far ahead you are however far you're pushing it and not being allowed to be because it's a tough place you know tough, tough place to be we see it all the time i i you know i i hate to delve into the comments of social media because it's yeah. one of the heartbreaking yeah. places you'll see a, a beautiful piece about justice and you'll go you know your heart will sing and think yeah and then you'll read the comments and go how are there so many people that even have those views that you think I don't understand what your fear is or what you why you hate that or what does it matter if somebody is different mm. to you or, or wants to express themselves differently and I think you know there's a there's a there's a challenge to have to as as Christian people following where God may be put, setting the goal of the race, you know, yeah, yeah. to stay on that path when often the world is saying, actually, that's not how we want it or that doesn't yeah. suit our purpose, you know. And I think I think politically, um, sometimes the current climate is like the, the narrative of, of, of party politics, isn't it, is around what suits us and our own. Yeah. Uh, 
and, and I think very much conservative parties, you know, is well recognised for, for meeting the needs of a, a certain sector of society mm. um, that want things in a different way. And so there's a creation, often a creation of narrative, isn't there, that, that challenges what we would see as being the right, the right yeah. way forward. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm moving into um, <laughs> throwing a few different things into the pot here. But, yeah, it's I, I'm I guess there's this there's that interesting challenge isn't there as as christian people and as preachers about how much we challenge the systems and how much we respond to the need that's yeah. right in front of us because you know there the, are the, those two elements aren't they of the political standing up for the narrative challenging you know, speaking out against policy, which is key. But then there's also that immediate need and, and more now than ever in kind of cost of living crisis and how how do we as churches stop people sinking as well as change the system so, you know, that they don't fall in the river in the first place, like, you know, using that yeah, probably yeah. mixing metaphor here, but, you know, that kind, <laughs> that kind of, you know, so I think there's a, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one of kind of how, how do you set yourself in that, you know coming back to timothy that race of yeah doing what is right and yeah. recognizing what he's asked to do sometimes you know where do you where do you put your energy is is a big challenge isn't it exactly and i think uh as we see through the kind of the joel reading these the races it, they take different people in different communities along on journeys and i think sometimes if if we look kind of quickly into the reading of Luke where we have the Pharisee and the tax collector you know the Pharisee standing there you know almost holier than thou I I I you know I pray twice I do this I do you know almost that I'm above you over there uh, because I am doing the right thing at the right time and and Jesus kind of challenges that notion of uh, of kind of us getting ahead of ourselves with this. That sometimes um, we do want to kind of race to put everything right that we see around us, or race to kind of um, to 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 help everybody around us. And, and sometimes I think there's an acknowledgement in these readings that there are concurrent races going on and there are people who are not listened to by other sections of, of uh, we see this on social media, like you say, all of the time. Um, and it's very hard, I think, and the temptation is that we widen our circle beyond our capabilities, beyond what we can actually do. And I think there's something, especially in the Luke narrative, and again in the Timothy, that's there is a bit about like slow down. This is a, you know, this is a race. There is a finishing line, but we might not be there yet. You know, Paul's kind of alluding to, I am there, everybody's left me. This is my time now, Timothy. And um and and I've what I find interesting is how Paul talks about that crown of righteousness like it's his. But yet in the parable in Luke, we are told 
really strongly not to exalt ourselves (laughs) but it will be the humble that will be exalted and not the other way around and and it struck me that Paul's just perhaps done what the Pharisee was doing you know I have run the good race and sometimes in that I in that we forget to slow down and be community to to take on that journey one step at a time and sometimes you know like we see in Joel all right probably Gentiles weren't in it but women were it it is sometimes how we um how we are patient with journeys I think there's a lot of patience and hope to be brought out of these readings yeah I, I think you're absolutely right and it's really interesting isn't it that uh, I mean Paul Paul is is the one that bigs himself up the most, you know. He's, <laughs> he's I mean, I, I wouldn't like to challenge his sense of ego, but I think there's there's a defensiveness to him, isn't yeah. there? Because there's, there's that context of others challenging, is he really an apostle? So he's constantly trying to defend, yes, I am, I am a man of God, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, you know, this and this is why I love scripture because it invites you into this narrative, this this tension that you have to yeah. kind of converse with. It's not a okay, this is the simple answer. But I think I think for Luke, I, w- I was thinking about this. And I was thinking of the ways in, in the church we kind of very easily sit on our own righteousness about the way we do. And I'm always conscious of sometimes the way people do it in a in a privileged, particularly middle class way where, you know, that the oh, well, I buy fair trade or oh, I've got an electric yeah. car and all of that. And you kind of which, you know, they're, they're not bad things. It's good that you're doing those things. But not everybody has the ability yeah. to do those same things and in some sense it's it's privilege that enables you to spend more money or or buy yeah. you know and, and it for other people when when you're just trying to survive which lots of people are doing it and, and particularly now those things just you can't grasp at you can't you know you, no. you can't deal with so our sense of righteousness in terms of being right with god has nothing to do with that that's no, part no. Of, you know that's part of your contribution to to living well but actually we have to be really careful that in our conversations in churches we don't actually exclude people by yeah. making out a certain righteousness or a way of life yeah 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 really godly and for me that the thing that sticks out about the person who's you know i am a sinner is is what i think is so important and what i kind of alluded to him when, when i was asked to kind of describe myself is the spirituality at the heart of justice yeah which is the closeness to god yeah and and it's not for me it's often well it isn't about how do I do this grand mission of sorting life out, you know, saving the world? That's God's job. For me, the spirituality and being close to God and taking time to, to whatever, to use whatever spiritual practices to kind of align closer to God that, that work for different people is around noticing God at work. Yeah. That concept of missio day and going, actually, what am I being invited to join in with? What am I being invited to do? The wisdom of what is mine to now do in this next week or this next day? Or, mm. or you know, is it mine to write a letter today? Or is it mine to go out and, and, and feed somebody? You know, rather than trying to be a, a saviour or a hero and do the big kind of, oh, I'm going to set up a charity that's going to... What, what is it that I'm here to do as part yeah. of the kingdom of God? And I always think if every Christian just did that, well, that yeah. would be transformation in itself, wouldn't it? Because, you know, all of those well, yeah, yeah. are the small, small great things, as, as Martin Luther King would say, you know, those, those small notions. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so he pulls that out by honouring the tax collector who is, you know, that uh, beating one's 
chest that beating one's breast is is absolute anguish and there is a sense of like in that space being exalted is not anywhere near that your mental kind of uh space because actually if you've got that much pain and and we actually see it in joel as well because you know the first chapter in joel they've had the locusts they've had all this inflicted on them again um the lament of the chapter one in joel versus the response by god to chapter two if that's where you're at i i i doesn't come into your being um because there is that sense of the more you have the more righteous you perhaps you believe you know you come and 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 I think as well there is that tension with the eco stuff um where people feel that kind of those people who are able to be ecological and can afford these things are are the righteous of our day but but they're expensive and to buy fair trade is often not a choice for people because there is that expense that goes upon that there is not righteousness in being able to do these things I think what we what we lose when we start to do that is this sense of being in that space where all you can see is God and Mm. and that's where Paul very much is at the end of this everything's come down to him and God the Lord is the one who's not deserted him um and I, I I think seeing our how our lives play out and and who the righteous are often portrayed to be um is is really interesting now um versus possibly what you would have thought righteous to be 10 years ago absolutely and and there's this real sense i think of this right this belief in righteousness and privilege i think are very close yeah there's something interesting kind of to explore with that um but there's also the the, the tax collector, and I think it's really ironic that the taxes, you know, at the moment, as I messed up, and here we are talking about a tax, yeah. you know, but I mean, very different notion, you know, I mean, the tax collector in, in the time was was taking the taxes for the Romans, but also filling their own pockets, you know, so there was that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and kind of, but also trapped in the system that they're in. And there's that recognition from the tax collector that actually I'm not, you know, there's this feeling of I'm not happy with who I am. But I'm in this system and this is, you know, my, my, you know, people often say, oh, well, you shouldn't do that for work, you know, or you shouldn't. But if you are, if that's all you know, and that's what you depend on, it's really difficult to break that system. Yeah. And often when we feel we're righteous, we we forget the times that we are. Yeah. Propping up unhealthy systems, you know, when we buy our clothes, how how many of us know? Well, we don't. We have no idea the lifestyle of somebody who's made our clothes or, you know, when, no. and when we're putting into systems that uh, are that exploit even just being in a modern society which is fairly wealthy as, as a whole you know and, and mm. you know, I'm not talking about the individuals you know there is an element of exploitation from history that has happened to get us to this point to be a, you know a, what we yeah. would call a, a you know an advanced economy 
but also there's still exploitation you know the, the thing the reason we can get things cheap is because we pay yeah. less in other places and so there's you know we and, and i individually can't do anything about that but i have to and i do constantly say god oh, this hurts me yeah. because I know through what through uh, some of it I know I'm sinning and some of it I have no idea about. Yeah, yeah. I'm trapped. Yeah. I'm trapped in this system. Um, you know, and I think that's that's the healthy attitude of the tax collector is yeah. going. You know what? I'm in a situation where I just don't know what you know. I don't know. We don't know what his options were to to kind of get out of it, but I know you know in my heart this isn't right. Whereas it's so easy to go. Oh well, I bought a nice electric car and I buy fair trade yeah, yeah. and I, and I do yeah, X, yeah. Y, and Z. To go, oh, I'll ignore yeah. all the other stuff. And for me, that's the, the, the you know, I think I, often in the, the parables, isn't it? It's two extremes. Most of us are a mix of the two. You know, we, we, we yeah, carry yeah. the so At times we're, we're righteous and, and show that kind of, oh, look at me, I've done this, you know, or and at yeah, other times yeah. I feel really worthless, you know. But, at, you know, yeah. there isn't that, you know, almost story, isn't it, where you have the two extremes. For most of us, yeah, it's quite but that is the extreme, isn't it? And and yeah. that's how we see such a divide is that sense of righteousness on both sides of, you know, and I think particularly in American politics, you know, um, kind of the Republicans uh, believe in they are the righteous ones because they're preserving life and, and things like that in their words and in their mind. And yet you've got the, the other side, the Democrats, who believe that their kind of way is the righteous way. And actually, if we stopped all the righteous nonsense and just <laughs> actually got on with, yeah. with understanding that if we can afford to buy clothes, that doesn't make us righteous. If we can't afford to buy clothes, that doesn't make us unrighteous. Yeah. It, it really is that tension of being able to sit where you are knowing as Paul did that even on your own when you're in bed the Lord is beside you and there's such enormous hope and beauty I think that comes out of that absolutely yeah that I think and I think that's that's where it falls down to isn't it it's that right relationship with God where, yeah you know you, you absolutely. That, is, that is your source you know that is the source it's it's you know for me I, I'm very much into kind of spirituality and, and mystics and I wouldn't plan to be anyone that's any good at it but you know I take an interest in the sense that recognizing the true self is that yeah. self rooted in God um and there you know there are there are things that you cannot control and there are things you can and it's about allowing God to enable you to live live the best life. And Paul is, in some sense, is saying, you know, that's what I've tried to do. I'm here now. I'm alone, but I've been with God through it, and I've done what I felt was mine to do. And that's all. I, I, in essence, I think that's all we're all asked to do is to do what is asked to do in God. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what the race comes down to. Absolutely. Well, Gary, thank you so much for being on with us and sharing your wisdom and your reflections with us today. Thank you to everybody else for joining us to ask whether or how we should preach politics in our pulpit this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode among your friends. We love to have an ongoing conversation with our listeners about faith and politics. So do join us on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or use the hashtag politics in the pulpit. Or you can join us on our Facebook community, which you can access 
through the Joint Public Issues team Facebook page and their website, jointpublicissues.org.uk. And so the question I'm leaving you with from this week's readings, where do you see yourself when you are alone with God? Do let us know your thoughts, um, or either on Twitter or on Facebook. And so let's go into both our politics and our pulpits with this blessing. May you be anointed with God's spirit as you bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen.